Ladies and gentlemen, we are live with episode 16. If I knew how to say it in another language, I would say it in another language. Siv, what's up, man? Yeah, not much. What's today's no, we're, poison? We're just, we're just pre-gaming on uh, some topics, but you're right. Dude. Let's start with, you know, what's what exactly is our vice of choice this week? Uh, uh, you know, we've gone a little lazy on... Uh, on, on uh, declaring that in the past few episodes. This is true. I mean, we just had so much to jump into. We just dove head first into topics, but instead yeah. we're just going to sit back for a second and have a tasty little beverage. So um, what do you got? I just cracked back open the, uh, I, I didn't pick up anything, but I had a, uh, I'm having a little, I poured myself a little glass of uh, double black Johnny Walker. Nice. It's been sitting there forever. So I'm just kind of chipping away at it. And uh, if I decide to have a second glass, which maybe I will, maybe I won't. I still got some Basil Hayden, so I might hit that up. So uh, nice. I haven't had a, a glass of actual bourbon in, in quite some time. I, uh, I think last week I might have. I, I forgot to mention anything about it. We talked about how you were opening up your, uh, I forgot what it was. Whatever it was, you said you had about like six bottles of it or whatever. You're clicking them like chess pieces. <laughs> See, the thing is with you, and I was thinking about it after, is that like you get them and you collect them. You get them, you set them to the side. You'll have something else. You being the stereotypical Italian that you are. You have plenty of homemade vino. So you have that to always fall back on. See, I just, I get like a bottle of bourbon or something and I sip on it for a week or two and then it's time for another one. Whereas you just put it in the back of the, the cabinet and then, you know, wait for the next thing. And the uh, next thing you know, yeah. you have, you have bottles of bourbon aging quite nicely in your cabinet, which is the way that yeah. it's supposed to work. And maybe one day I'll, I'll take a page out of that book and do that myself. But until then, <laughs> This is the way that I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I guess you could say I am a stereotypical Italian. I do have a whole liquor cabinet uh, full of stuff. So I'm, I, when I, you know, in my younger years, when I lived at home, my parents had an entire room of the house dedicated to storage, whether it was like, it lit, and again, we're talking stereotypical Italian here, uh, hundreds of quarts of tomato sauce, homemade dried sausage, homemade dried capicola, um, all sorts of, of preserved peppers and, and asparagus and everything that you could possibly think of. I mean, we could literally live through four pandemics with the amount of food that we had in that one room alone. And in that room, we also stored a lot of liquor and wine too. So my dad had this big giant, uh, uh stainless steel drum full of, full of wine of homemade Is it safe wine, to say that you were a doomsday prepper before you were do there were doomsday preppers you're the original I, og oh all of us italians in this area yeah we're, we're definitely all doomsday preppers without a doubt <laughs> yeah and speaking of which um so my refrigerator shit the bed this week oh no uh, the uh the the board on it or the whatever the computer board whatever the hell you want to call it needs to get replaced it got fried so naturally the ice maker went, so I can't have any sort of, uh, any sort of hard liquor today. So I do have to resort to some wine, but you can't, it'll make you grow wine. hair on your chest. Oh, I got plenty of that. <laughs> if anything, I need hair to grow on my head. Hamburger okay. meat of plenty. Uh, yeah. actually I'm a fan of Robert Mondavi. I had a red blend one time and it was pretty good. Yeah. This is a Merlot from 2016. So not bad. I, I had it. Um, I, I opened it earlier this week. My wife and I will have a glass of wine periodically during dinner. And um, I mean, I have homemade wine too, but this was kind of sitting there. I'm like, might as well just open it up and start drinking it. So I put it in our little our little fridge downstairs in our basement. So it's nice and chilled right now. 
So that's what I'm going to be. Uh, that's what I'm going to be uh, abusing right now. There you go. Cheers. Right. Cheers, my friend. Mm-hmm. All our listeners. So briefly, we were kind of talking about uh, where do you want to start? I mean, we we talked about uh, we kind of were playing uh, topic ping pong momentarily <laughs> before we uh, decided to give this uh, give this a kickoff. Um, well, is it, isn't that kind of like uh, kind of like our theme? Just kind of like bounce around different ideas that with no segues whatsoever. There are no segues. No, there are no segues. But we could start with this. This uh, something you're not very familiar with, and to be honest with you, I'm myself not very familiar with it. Um, I read over it briefly. Um, I kind of think it's it's with good intentions, but with knee jerk reaction. And I'm talking about the accountability bill that just passed in Connecticut. Um, it's basically it affects the law enforcement officers. Um, one thing that I did see that I, I was kind of scratching my head about was I saw this provision that was talking about excessive use of force. Now, well, nobody wants to see that, especially in light of today's climate. Um, and it shouldn't take something like that for excessive force to be something that's addressed. Um, but one thing that, that did come of this was the fact that they were saying that anybody, any officer um, that witnesses excessive use of force is to immediately report it as such and failure to do so is in violation of, and I can't remember what the Connecticut state general statute was. Um, but when I looked it up, it was basically, it's a felony and it's for hindering prosecution. Now the question lies is who determines what the excessive, what is the red line? Shall we say of force needed force necessary and force that's excessive because you know, and, and one thing that I, I read about it, was the fact that um, basically it's not going to be judged by people that are officers. It's going to be judged by basically, you know, regular civilians, which I get. But the thing is, is that it, the average citizen doesn't necessarily involve themselves in situations where they have to use force. I don't remember the last time uh, a mechanic was was required to to put their hands on another human being when they were changing brakes you know nothing against any any auto mechanic i'm i'm just trying to use an example here yeah um but i'm another thing that i see it is uh it's it requires officers to exhaust all reasonable alternatives including attempting to arrest first before using deadly force so when I read that, I ask myself, well, if somebody's lifting a gun in my direction or brandishing a weapon or swinging a lead pipe, I, I'm not going to be able to try to arrest first. Or what, or yeah. what defines the attempt to, to make the arrest? Is it just a verbally you know, giving commands, put the weapon down, I will arrest you? By then, before those words could come out, bullets travel pretty fucking fast, man. Yeah. I'd say so faster than you could probably say, you know, could you please put the gun down? Yeah, yeah it I, just doesn't. I mean, the, the way you're describing it, and again, to, to be fair to the audience, I haven't read it. I know that it's come out. I don't know a lot of the details, but you do make a good point. So, you know, what exactly is the definition of excessive force? And in what, and, you know, does it matter of the context in which it's used? Just like you're saying, I mean, if you have a, I don't know, for lack of better description, again, I'm no law enforcement officer, so forgive me for using wrong words, but let's just say a perpetrator, just mm-hmm. like you said, pulls out a gun. 
you know, what's their intention? Is it to put it down? Is it just to wave it? Is it to actually start firing at the officers? So, you know, what's the situation there? What exactly are you looking to do? Um, I think it's very unfair if it's, if it's purely like that, I would hope that there's more information behind it to really say, okay, this is, you know, this is the situation. Um, uh, this is where you should be allowed to use excessive force. This is where obviously you shouldn't be used. uh, Well, it should never be excessive. It should never be excessive. It should always equal the standard of, of where you are. So in law enforcement, we have what's referred to as the behavior management module. So, you know, it, it starts with basically blue and it goes all the way up to red, red meaning deadly, blue as passive as could be. So, you know, as the threat moves up, your level is supposed to move up. And as the level go, goes down, you are also supposed to. So, I mean, just because this guy was, you know, telling you with a cocked baseball bat that he's going to smash your head. in if he's 20 feet away, is he going to smash your head in from 20 feet away with a back baseball bat? No, he's not going to. But as you close in on him, if he lowers his weapon, you know, I mean, obviously in a situation like that, they're probably going to have their guns raised or tasers raised. There's going to be some, you know, he's not chasing after him. I'm, I'm giving this as an example. He's not chasing. Yeah, yeah. If, if the guy's not chasing after them, swinging a baseball bat, like, you know, and they just have guns drawn on it, put the weapon down, what is the weapon down? As they start closing on him, if he puts the weapon down, if he complies, there's no justification in still shooting the guy. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. what I mean by when threat level decreases that's it. your use of force shall we say will also decrease along with it mm-hmm. so yeah. that's what i mean um another thing that i see as part of this is basically the removal of qualified immunity now what that is to anybody who doesn't know it's basically if a officer performs his duties within his job scope so mm-hmm. you know if whatever force he may have used you know, we always use the, the we, we use the example of, of shooting, right? It's not always that, you know, it doesn't always go that way. There's more arrests that take place that don't involve guns than the other way around, you know? Yeah. So anytime you put your hands on an individual, at least in the Department of Corrections, I don't know the level in the police, but in this bill, the Department of Corrections falls under the umbrella. So then that's the example that I gave earlier about if you witness use of force. The thing is, is any incident that happens within the Department of Corrections, there's paperwork that is filed under use of force regardless. Yeah. Unless it's a routine, like if there's like an inmate you got to take care of that, you know, has some kind of medical issue or something like that, that's just being reported. But if it requires an inmate going to the segregated housing unit, restrictive housing unit we use in Connecticut, um, if the inmate has to go through there, there, like hands go on it. It's only, even if it's only the routine application of handcuffs, mm-hmm. there's paperwork that's filed under use of force and there's boxes, really? checks. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's basic, it's a basic form. I mean, and it just says, you know, um, what was the highest level of threat? What was the, the nature that, you know, what, what steps were taken to deescalate the situation? What was the final outcome? It's just a basically, you know, checklist of like, what happened? Why did you put your hands on this guy? What did you guys do? Did you, um, did, did you require mechanical restraints, which would include handcuffs, uh, leg restraints, trip restraints, uh, incels, whatever the case may be. Um, nerve compressions. So nerve compressions would be, I mean, we're all familiar with pressure points, right? Um, um, chemical agent. Um, I mean, there's even boxes for like use of deadly. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
So, I mean, it goes all the way up to like fire, use the discharge of a firearm with that. I, that box is most likely far and few between if that ever even gets checked yeah. off. But it, it's all there. You know what I mean? So, in every officer that's involved in this, they all fill out this form and it goes to the supervisor, whatever, whoever supervised the incident, the, the, you know, whatever the outcome may be. And they summarize it. So, yeah. essentially, it would be their, their duty. Um, but, um, getting back to actually what qualified immunity is, is um, so in those use of force situations, it would open up whoever the officer would be or supervisor, whoever the case is, um, if they're involved in this incident, they could be sued on a personal level. Yeah. So as it stood for years, um, as long as I know, um, it's always fallen on like the department would get sued if mm-hmm. anything happened, if this, if officer numb nuts decided that he was going to punch the perpetrator in the head four times for no goddamn reason. Yeah. I mean, the department most likely in an incident like that isn't going to represent him, but sometimes there's marginal displays or, or even display, even totally justifiable displays where use of force is totally necessary. Um, but this is going to open up, even in those, those cases, they're all going to be sued individually. So what that's going to force is um, basically some officers, they're going to be forced into getting their own personal insurance, almost like a malpractice, I guess you would say, like in a, in a, yeah. in a medical standpoint. Yep. So, I mean, it's interesting to see. Um, it, is, it is pretty interesting. I mean, and, and here's, I guess here's another question for you. And I, I don't know the answer, hence the reason I'm going to, I'm going to be asking. But let's say, for instance, you know, an officer uses mace on an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's matching the level of, I don't know, you could say level of... of yeah, he's actively resisting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's swinging at the officers with his bare fist or something like that. And they mace him. Let's say, for instance, he has severe asthma. And he... I'm glad you, know, you mentioned that. So there's two kind of there's two kinds of uses of force. There's planned use of force, and then there's just there's a use of force where you just it's immediate action is required. So what you just described is this guy. He's got his fist balled up. He's going after officers, so to speak, or even if he's going after another inmate. Well, I mean, this could this could also take place on the streets. I don't really know. I, I can't speak for what the officers face on the streets because I've never walked those shoes. But I can speak f- for the experiences that I've had not for the department. I do not speak for the department. Um, yeah. So if two combatants, if you will, are engaged, um, whether it be staff and inmate, 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 whatever the case may be, um, they're actively resisting. Um, you go in and forces required immediately. They get sprayed. Um, listen, there's a lot of inmates that have asthma. It is what it is. I myself has had asthma. I mean, I, I've had, I've been very fortunate because just through through the years, just exercising and running and, and such, just playing sports, whatever, hasn't been an issue. Um, but a situation like that, immediate action needs to take place. So in a situation like that, you're completely justified in, in deploying chemical agent. Now, if there's a guy that's already in a cell and you're trying to remove him from the cell and he's barricading himself in it, then you have to contact medical. You have to make sure that he has no, uh, I think the word's contritions. Does that sound familiar? Uh-oh. Um, that's, that's, it's, it's a word that I should know. And, uh, I'm just, I'm I'm having a brain contradictions. Um, so basically what it means is 
Con- yes, that is the word that I'm looking for. Yeah. Con- what is it? Contraindications? Contraindication. Contraindications. But, yeah. So it's basically like you have um, you have a you have a, you have some condition that precludes the use of a certain right, in the medical fields. Basically, you have like a certain condition, or you have you're already on a certain medication that basically precludes the the use of of another medication or some sort of procedure. It's like when they ask you when you go in for something, are you allergic to penicillin? Kind of like that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be more of a relative contraindication as opposed to absolute. So in medicine, there's basically two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. so basically, in, in a situation like that where you would typically, the steps would be, um, you know, verbal intervention. Um, you try to talk this guy out of it. And eventually, you know, you, you got to check and find out because eventually you know, you're not going to talk to this guy all day. If he's got to come out, eventually he's got to come out or you got to go in there and get him. So what you would do is you basically, you deploy a chemical agent. It's not tear gas. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's called oleoresin capsicum, oleoresin capsicum. It's made from peppers. It's a derivative. Yeah, pepper spray almost. It is, it is. It's a, it's a pepper spray on steroids. Um, yeah. Fox is a brand. Saber Red is a brand. If any listeners want to actually look it up, um, those are brands that we actually use. Um, but if if it's known that he he ha- he's going to have a reaction to it, we're not allowed to use it. Hmm. Yeah. And then I mean, you you'll use it basically, typically in an ideal fashion. You would spray basically to quote unquote. I hate using quotations, but to soften them up. Okay. Yeah. Um, and even if even sometimes with the chemical agent, you know, he'll just, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'll come out. You know what I mean? If the best outcome is you don't have to put hands on the individual. Mm-hmm. That is oh, yeah, the best, uh, that's the best outcome. Yeah. So, I mean, and if but realistically deploy, it doesn't always, doesn't always work out that way. No, no. I mean, listen, man, you could go on YouTube and you could find thousands of videos on cell extractions sure. where you see, see, you know, the, these guys go in, the shield man hits them, and then just basically it's his job to stabilize the individual to fix surface, whether it's the wall, whether it's the floor, wherever he is, he gets pinned down. So the other officers that are entering um, the cell, essentially, uh, they, they, could, they could put him in restraints. Um, he's handcuffed. He's immediately taken out of the situation or out of the, uh, out of the, the area right there. He's taken into a, a shower area so he could be decontaminated from the spray. Like all the, the, uh, the, the, the spray could be washed away from him. Yep. Um, and then he's given clean clothes and all that other stuff. So mm-hmm. he gets put into a, a cell that's not full of pepper spray for lack of a better term. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I know that's a long winded um, way of explaining it, but yeah, no, uh, it makes sense. That's a, that's, that would be an example of, you know. So what about, what, what about the use of flashbangs to quote unquote soften them up? <laughs> um, they're within the department. They're authorized. Not like we wouldn't use them, but we have like, um, it's like a special operations group would, would uh, like, I mean, this is in case of like a severe, right? We never want to see anything like that. I mean, if yeah, basically if the cell block looked like Portland, I mean, that's a, a situation <laughs> where, where you might need to do it, but the, the common officer, if you will say, um, the regular guy is, isn't going to go in there. They're not going to be throwing flash, flashbangs. I mean, but the, I mean, the department does have them in their arsenal. It's just something yeah. that I, I, you know, I'm three years away from walking out of there. 
and I hope you never want to use them. I, it's something I, I've gone 17 years without seeing, and I hope to go another three hours without <laughs> seeing. So, oh uh, yeah, I can I just mean, imagine. Seems like those fuckers are loud. Yeah, I mean they. I, I've never experienced any of them, but I mean, from what I understand, they could definitely stun you pretty, pretty good. I mean, completely like disorient you pretty good just because just of, of the, the concussive force that you get from the explosion. So, I mean, obviously it's not going to kill somebody unless like, you know, it, it explodes on their head directly. But I mean, if you're within the same room, just the, the concussive blast is enough. Oh, to, in the really echo. Like, oh yeah, my God. Exactly. The echo. I mean, as big as, I mean, you wouldn't use them in a cell, but I mean, even if it's used in a, well, I don't think that would ever be justified, but I mean, unless, I mean, I mean, I guess there's some situations where I guess all bets are off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that, that's a, like I said, I mean, I think it's a, it's a bill that's with good intentions, you know, I mean, look, something has to be done just so people, you know, we, we spoke about this briefly before we started recording the, the podcast is that, some people just shouldn't be in certain occupations. And I stand with, you know, the people in law enforcement, um, my fellow officers and, and, and everybody involved. But I think one thing that this incident with George Floyd really brought into light is that for a long time, and I think we discussed it briefly in the, the podcast where, where Brandon was our guest, mm-hmm. is that sometimes we kind of, we, we cover for each other in, in this, in this field, but I'm trying to articulate here. Um, yeah, I think one thing that really this whole thing in Minnesota showed us is that we, some people just shouldn't have the jobs in yeah. law enforcement. Yeah. I, I it, that's every occupation. I mean, there's, there's, I've seen it firsthand with in pharmacy or in pharmacists um, just, not that they don't have what it takes to, I mean, anybody has what it takes to do any occupation. The real question is, do you want to do it with integrity and do you want to do it the way you should be doing it? Um, like, just like, like what you were just saying, the, the, the podcast that we had with, with, with Brandon a few episodes back, um, you know, I, I talked about my experiences as a pharmacist and all the training that we have to go through and, and, you know, we have to be spot on with what we do because we have situations, especially in ICU settings where, you know, patients have literally minutes to hours at best if we don't get their shit right, right off the bat. Um, and if we, if we mess up, it, it's very bad. It's a very bad outcome for the patients. Um, so you have to be spot on with your training. You have to, you, you have to get everything right the first time around. You can't you have no real margin of error. Now, does that translate to all other occupations? I think so. I think it does. I mean, not to the same, not in the same context as you would see, say in medicine or say like in law enforcement, but in every occupation, there's people that shouldn't be doing what they do. So to be quite honest, they're, they're just not cut out for it. Um, right. I mean, let's get it. I mean, we use the term, uh, like we just said, like um, a mechanic or whatever isn't going to be justified in smacking a dude in the head. I mean, unless he's trying to steal his tools, because I know those fucking things are expensive. Yeah. But if if you're a mechanic and everybody that drives out of your garage five minutes later, there fire the firemen are re- responding to a a vehicle on fire two blocks away. Yeah. Every time this car happens to leave your garage, you're not going to have your job anymore. And if you're 
and if you're an officer and you're you're not working within your scope and you're continually the subject of excessive force investigations you know it's time to look at yourself in the mirror and realize like hey maybe this isn't the best thing for me maybe i'm too much of a hothead um you, i mean these are things you could put yourself in check i mean if you think you are a hothead i mean do something about it man do something about it yeah i mean the, i'm not the, saying like just because like hey maybe you because i know for a fact like some people got some shit at home i get it everybody goes yeah. through things but you got to try to distance yourself from bringing that stuff into into your work environment and and vice versa yeah uh, oh vice yeah versa. absolutely vice versa yes 100 percent. because i know some people they bring their shit home and then forget it it's yeah it's a bad I mean, situation I, i've yeah. seen in my time in law enforcement i've seen plenty of divorces mm-hmm. um i've seen just plenty of people just kind of go through stuff man i mean a lot of the things that we see aren't things that the typical person sees yeah interesting you say that you know the past few podcasts that joe rogan has had too um he's talked about a lot of times that you know a lot of police officers a lot of them have ptsd just with some of the stuff they encounter i mean a lot i would say a majority if not all if not all yeah I mean, it, you know, it's, it's not all about, you know, taking a kitten out of a fucking tree or something like that. No, it's, no, that's you usually know, you're, left for the fire department anyway. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're, if you're getting called to an emergency at a house, you don't know what kind of situation you're going into. I mean, I, I think one of the worst things you could possibly, possibly see is, is, is a dead child in a house. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, that, that's got to mess people up for a long period of time. So if that's the case, maybe that's something that absolutely needs to be addressed much better for law enforcement officers because that can eat at anybody over time. I mean, we, we keep talking about PTSD with, with soldiers with, with some of the most horrific things that, that they could possibly experience too. What's to say police officers don't go, through, go, don't go through the same thing? You know, what's interesting Crazy. in having this conversation right here, I can't help but allow my mind to wander towards one other thing, and that's the whole defunding the police. Because, you know, we're mentioning these things like that the typical person shouldn't be. Well, where does the therapy come involved? Who pays yeah. for the therapy? We're, we're refusing to, to pay for more officers. We're refusing to pay for any more training. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, mental health isn't going to go away. Like the issues aren't going to go away themselves, especially if now these laws are being passed and there's a lot of before this even passed where there was just the grumbling of, of it going on, there was so much, you know, so much talk about uh, X amount of officers from this department, um, that department, whatever the state, um, they're just lined up to retire. They're waiting to see what this law, what this bill does. If it passes, yeah. there's just, they're filing their paperwork. And I know already, already with, with everything that's going on, there's already New York. I mean, geez, you could Google people yeah. looking to, to, to retire just in New York City, um, before, I mean, obviously they're not falling under the umbrella of this this law because it's going to yeah. get law. But nationwide, there's plenty of officers that are looking to retire because in the state of affairs, it's a bad situation. They don't, yeah, they don't feel like anybody has their back. I mean, Jesus Christ, we talked about this last week. Look what's going on in Portland still. Uh-huh. You know, constantly every day we're on like day number sixty-five or something now of just nightly just violence 
rioting in, in Portland, Oregon. And in this whole thing, like, I, I don't get it. I mean, you're, you're protesting. I mean, there's there's woman screaming at the top of her lungs at, a, at, at the building. There's not even anybody standing there. She's just yelling at the building and the barricade that's built there. And she's saying that she's going to stand out there because she's taking a stand for police brutality, or not for, against police brutality, um, and yelling Black Lives Matter and everything. These are all things that I agree with, except the part that she's yelling at a building. Because I don't know, like there's no sign on this building that says we are against racial equality. There's no sign on this building. I mean, people were tearing down statues because they didn't like who the statues represented right? Who the fuck does a building stand for that you want it torn down? And the thing is, is that it's like, I keep seeing these articles and these news reports where these people that are out there, they're saying that they don't want these feds there. Basically, they're the source of everything, uh, of all the violence that happens. But if they go away, what happens then? Okay. If they, if they're removed from the equation, what happens then? Does that building get overrun? Do they set it on fire? Because that seems yeah. to be the target every day. Yeah, it'll, so, it'll end up being like the like like the like the embassy in Benghazi, with our own citizens attacking our own our yeah. own courthouse. Yeah, like this doesn't baffle like the minds of of anybody. No, I, I mean you. I, yeah, make it no, makes it, sense. It, it, I I can't. I mean, and I, I think this kind of speaks to just a larger a larger problem altogether um just a lot of these people uh, they they don't necessarily want solutions to problems um what they just want is anarchy that that's that's all it is has nothing to do with solutions nothing to do with solutions whatsoever and everything to do with just uh invoking chaos um violence whatever it is to to push their own twisted utopian agenda which we all know just doesn't work in the long run. Um, so I, I don't know what else they want. I mean, I, I know what they want. And it's not, it's not racial justice. It's not social justice. It's not equality for all. It's they want their agenda implemented, whatever, it, whatever that is. That's it. They don't, because, you know, we're a nation of laws. We're not a third world nation run by warlords. Um, I, 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 it's funny you said that you mentioned that last episode and then you followed it up with I, although some some parts of the country uh you might think that they do want to be run by warlords yeah i mean the, this is what happened in, in seattle in that in that chop zone or or chaz or whatever the hell it's called this week cheese maybe who knows it just, you know what's you know, funny like, is what you mentioned here it makes me think of uh in a distant way uh occupy occupy wall street mm-hmm and I'll give you a reason why, because they said one of the largest reasons Occupy Wall Street was so unsuccessful is because they didn't have a leader. They didn't have a figurehead. Well, they, they had no real, no real, I don't know. They had no real cause. It was like, it was everybody, you know, everybody had a gripe about something and just congregated in one area. To just to are, you, kinda... are you comparing that to Festivus where everybody's airing their grievances? <laughs> that's that's a good possibility but what i mean is like okay so if you don't have an identified leader who is going to yep. speak to your mass i that's a great question i i honestly don't know 
So instead you have what they constantly gets referred to because it is a mob mentality where everybody just acts as one. And next thing you know, they're, they're throwing rocks and bricks and, and, and all this shit. And that's not going to listen. When everything first started off, one of the most common phrases was we need to open a discussion. Well, the discussion idea went out the window because nobody's talking about anything. Instead they're meeting, dude, it's like an everyday middle school fight flagpole, 12 o'clock. Every yep. day they get out. Yeah, just as, soon as, the, as soon as the spray paint gets sandblasted off the side of the courthouse, the next night somebody goes back in. It's like they were given a free, they're, they're, they're given a clean canvas. So yeah. have at it. If you didn't like last night's artwork, here's it again. Maybe instead of sandblasting the wall, they should sandblast the person who tries to paint the wall. Did you see that the use, the, the uh, you know, with the feds, they're, what are you, the federal security force? I guess that's how you identify I th- them. I, I think it's U.S. Marshals. I see. I think it was a collection. And in fact, there was an, a couple articles that I saw was that it's a, a private security firm and it's run by Betsy uh, DeVos. DeVos, DeVos, yeah. Her, <laughs> Betsy DeVos. Bell, Bell, Bell Biv DeVos. Bell Biv DeVos. Um, <laughs> I guess the, it's a company, it's a security firm that's owned by her brother. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I saw something about it. I haven't really had too much of a chance to fact check it, but I will. That's pretty but, um, interesting conflict of interest. Yeah, but one thing that I saw was that the protesters, when the tear gas was getting used at them, they ended up, they started bringing leaf blowers to the protest. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, you can't make this up. It's just, it's amazing. A leaf blower, really? <laughs> Here's an idea. Stay home. What are you accomplishing? You're not accomplishing anything. All you're doing is making more enemies. You're you're empowering your detractors is what you're doing, as opposed to making meaningful change. Black River Mercenaries in Portland, security firm owned by Betsy DeVos's brother, Eric Prince, under Mm -hmm. fire. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, listen, the security force has to come from someplace because if you want to defund the police, that just, I mean, there's, you're just going to... Jesus Christ, man. This is the way we try to get a point across these days. We just burn fucking buildings down. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's one hell of an example, but isn't it ironic that all this Trump hate, fingers pointing, calling the Trump administration fascist, right? Comparing Trump to Hitler. Wouldn't it be something if they finally broke through, burned down this courthouse to compare it to Reichstag? <sighs> I- that would be something to be honest, but they, no matter what, you're not going to convince these people that, that that's the case. Like I said, they have, they have their own personal agenda and they're going to yeah. follow it and they're just going to spout shit off. That doesn't make sense as long as in their twisted mentality. Of course. I mean, don't forget wearing a mask is also uh, comparable to 1941 Germany. <laughs> it's just, yeah, both, both sides are just, are, are just, um, something that you touched on last week, um, and that's that a lot of times you find out some information that might sway your, your, your opinion on it one way or another, or even just kind of make you say like, well, this isn't really that big of a deal um, because you don't find out certain aspects of certain stories until buried deep inside the article, which yep. a lot of time, especially in today's age, we don't have the attention span to get that far into the article. I know myself and you, you mentioned as well, sometimes you get maybe two paragraphs, three paragraphs into it. Even if you make it past the headline itself yep. into already forming your opinion. And then 
mm-hmm. you know, by the time you might get to something like we were, we're, we're speaking about the, the couple in St. Louis, Missouri, who was basically protecting their property with, with the AR-15 and her with the pistol that we later found out that didn't work in the first place. But um, even, even the fact that, that the pistol didn't work in the first place was buried in the article. So a lot of people, I know when I told you, you didn't know that. Yeah. And you seem to know pr- enough about this subject to hold a conversation about it, but you didn't know that tidbit. And why didn't you know about that tidbit? Because it was buried at the end of the article. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these things, they're like, they're, they're these little Easter eggs that are hidden in these articles. And, yeah. and one of the things I think that leads Twitter to be as successful as it is, and even, I mean, Facebook even for that matter, um, because honestly, like there's times where I go through uh, my timeline and if I see something that I have to click to read more, I just scroll past that. <laughs> really? But yeah. You know, one thing about, like I said, Twitter and Facebook is that it's Twitter, especially it's, it's, I don't even know what it, it, it increased. It used to be like 134 characters or something like that. I think now it's like 160 something. I could be mistaken, but nonetheless, I mean, a lot of people turn to Twitter just for quick news because now everybody wants to be the first to report something. Whereas back in the day, they needed to have several sources before they would actually report it. Yeah, and this this kind of goes, uh, and again, not not to go back to to my my area of specialty, which obviously is medicine, more specifically pharmacy. But, um, you know, as as medical professionals that you know that are involved with direct patient care, we have to be on top of medical literature. Um, and in order to get good at evaluating medical literature. To scrutinize it, we, you know, I, I could tell you for a fact in, you know, for, for pharmacy students and even in practice, um, you know, if, if you're if you're looking to treat a patient with something obscure, you know, that has some some obscure diagnosis and you're just not familiar with it and you kind of have to learn about it a little more, you could do a, a, a medical information search on, on PubMed.gov. Uh, that's basically a, a whole uh, a repository of medical literature from present day all the way back to, in some cases, the late 1800s, uh, when some articles were written back then. Um, uh, most of them go back to like the 1940s, when really a lot of this writing of medical literature really became more commonplace and more, I guess you could say, the standard for, for medicine. Um, you really have to go through these articles and you have to evaluate the way they're written and you have to scrutinize their methodologies and all that other stuff. But one of the first things that we learned in, in pharmacy school is, is the title of the article misleading or is it accurate? Okay. So like, you know, you're never, I can't say never, rarely are you going to see an article about like a breakthrough therapy saying, you know, like, like some crazy headline or some crazy title in the article saying, well, then we could segue into this particular subject afterwards. Uh, uh, hydroxychloroquine cured 350 patients in Houston, you know, with the, this doctor that, that has been all over the internet in the past couple of days. You're not going to see anything like that. You're going to see something more, and it, it's kind of bland to be honest, but it's done that way and in, in specifically to not, uh, I guess, to not overcompensate for the material in the actual article, okay? There's an abstract that summarizes the whole article. 
there's your introduction on what exactly the disease state is or what the treatment is and all this other stuff. Then you have your methodologies. If it's some sort of research article um, or if it's a review article, they go through different subjects of, of that. We'll say like, I don't know, uh, bits and pieces of that particular subject that are pertaining to the article that, that kind of makes sense or that are, I don't know, that are related to it. I mean, you can kind of take it in all different directions, but obviously you want to tailor it to what you're, what you're trying to tell the audience. Um, and then there's, there's a result section, there's a discussion and then conclusions. Um, you know, we're taught in pharmacy school, you need to scrutinize all of it. And if you don't know enough about it, you need to do more research on what they're actually telling you, especially in methodologies, if you don't know what the hell it means. If a medical, if an article to be published in the medical literature is going to get published in any journal whatsoever, it has to be peer reviewed first. Okay. Meaning that that particular journal has an entire editorial board, all these articles, and will read them and will scrutinize them. And they will give you feedback if you're the author of that particular article. Okay. Because they want to make sure that the information that you're putting out there is not misleading and that it's accurate, okay? We have absolutely none of that right now in media, zero. Absolutely none of it. And why is that? Because it's all about advertisement. It's all about funneling clicks or funneling people to that particular web page, if you will, for advertisers and all that other stuff. And they will sensationalize stories beyond what the story actually means because Part of it is because of advertisement and my conspiracy theory on the other end of it is that they're very liberal leaning. So they will, they will sensationalize a story um, and they will sensationalize the title of an article because they know that most people have a very short attention span, just like what you said, are not going to go into deep, going to look at multiple sources. They're just going to read the title and click on it and, and form their opinion maybe one tenth of the way through the article and then that's it. And then they're on to something else. Um, and that points to a bigger problem in society in general. Um, in school nowadays, in public school, kids just aren't taught critical thinking. They're not taught to really think deeply about something and to really get a good background on, on some particular subject. It's like they're, they're taught to just do, you know, study to the exam and move on. And then, you know, after you're done with the exam, you do the proverbial flush and you could just forget everything. That's what they're taught. Okay. They're not taught to think critically about a lot of different things. And unfortunately that's, that translates into adulthood. And that's exactly what we're seeing nowadays and the way people are reacting with certain things and the way they formulate their opinions based on some obscure thing that fits their own narrative. It's a major, major problem. It's interesting that you, uh, you mentioned misinformation through headlines um, and standard of medicine, essentially, because um, one thing that has been talked about lately is social media posts being deleted because of misinformation, hydrochloroquine being one of them. Somehow, this is more invasive than the seeds that you like to talk about, because hydrochloroquine <laughs> seems to find its way into every topic of discussion lately. I don't know how. I thought we already went through this. I thought we discovered that it, it was basically one of those issues that caused more harm than good. Um, 
but yet somehow we're talking about it again. It's being tweeted about, it's being retweeted. So basically I saw, I didn't actually watch the video um, and I see that it's something that keeps getting taken down. I saw somebody that had, had, uh, they had shared it on uh, on social media and it was a, a doctor and I guess she was talking about the benefits of hydrochloroquine combined with zinc and uh, zithromycin. Um, so the Z-Pack. So yep. um, I didn't get a chance to actually watch the video, but nonetheless, uh, a lot of people are, are talking about how wake up people, there's a, a cure that's available. No, it's not a cure. Trump. Trump being somebody again who 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 shared this video, but conversely, um, so was the pussy hat rally MC Madonna herself. Oh God, she actually shared it too and said, "Wake up, people!" Um, but nonetheless, um, basically, the doctor come to find out um, is is somebody that has been involved in conspiracy theories herself. Um, even believing and sharing that a lot of vaccinations were manufactured with the help of alien DNA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Uh, I, I don't know where she's getting the information from, to be honest. So her name is, I I did a little, a little on this episode. So her name is, is Stella Emanuel. So apparently she's from Cameroon originally, uh, the medical school, I believe in Cameroon. Um, she's a pediatrician and an emergency room physician. So I think she's an emergency pediatrician by trade. Uh, but somehow she's treating adults in this clinic in Houston. Um, I, I watched the video before we got on, before we got on this episode. So Vimeo apparently still has it. And it's, it's from some, an Italian news source. You can actually see Italian, um, subtitles to it. Uh, but you hear her speak in English and she has her whole entourage behind her. Um, and she's talking about how she's treated over 350 people at her clinic. There's people that drive three hours to go to her to see her. Um, and she's treated everybody with hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin and zinc. And not one patient of 350 have died. Um, so that's that's what she says. I, I don't even want to get into her other conspiracy theories because it's kind of irrelevant when it comes to the whole hydroxychloroquine story because I, I, I want to approach it more so in a scientific manner. Okay, so let's talk about what, what, she's, what she's proclaiming here. Um, that's fine. If, if you've treated that many patients and they've all done well, write it up then. Write it up as, as a case series in the medical literature and have it published. Um, I, I don't think anybody's going to refuse it if it's actually good science that you've done, because if that's, if that's the information that's come out and it's important for people to know, then publish the damn paper. Stop yelling into a, into a microphone um, and all this other stuff. Have your research published because it's important for people to know. Isn't this um, something that we faced already early on? There was that pandemic where we ended up finding out from this, like she had this, whoever the doctor was, she had this whole idea that, I don't know, I can't even really remember at this point. It's been so long ago. Going to the beach and it's fine. Yeah. Going to the beach. It's fine. There's, there's, there's microbes in the sand that will kill coronavirus, whatever. But when you did some research on the actual physician, that's, that's, uh, that's putting this out there. Um, it was said that she, 
um, she released some kind of study, and I forget what it was for, but when it the when they tried to replicate her results in a, a lab setting, they couldn't do it time and time yeah. again. And then even they even brought her in to try to replicate it, and she couldn't mm-hmm. do it either. Um, so yeah, and again and again, this goal all goes back to scrutiny of the medical literature. It's highly, highly scrutinized by your own peers. So again, if you're if you're doing this and you're seeing good results, then write it up because it's very important for the for the medical community to see this information. And let me let me give her benefit of the doubt. Um, maybe she has seen good results. Let's say let's just say for instance she has seen good results with hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, and zinc. Okay, write it up because she's probably using it in patients with more mild to moderate COVID symptoms, as opposed to the majority of papers that have been written on hydroxychloroquine that have been, that have looked at outcomes in patients with more severe disease where they've been, where they've been hospitalized. Okay. So, you know, therapies can have a range of efficacy based on, on patient symptoms. Um, You know, if you get admitted to an ICU with a severe infection, uh, I'll, I'll just give you an example. Let's, let's just be very arbitrary. And let's say like, you know, you have, you have a strep throat that's gotten so bad, you need to be admitted to an ICU. Penicillin's probably not going to help you at that point, to be quite honest. And not that, not that it's not good for the bacteria. It's that you're so sick at that point, you're beyond any help with antibiotics. But if I give you penicillin, when you first start getting symptoms of strep throat, it's probably going to help you. It's probably going to cure 99% of the people easily with, with, with no real effort within a matter of days. Whereas if you wait three weeks with strep throat, you, you, you're probably far too gone to, to help at, a, at any given point. You're going to have long, long-standing problems associated with it. The antibiotics aren't going to do anything for you. So maybe it's that the majority of the literature that's been published to date with hydroxychloroquine is that it's in patients with severe infection. But Maybe the point is that she's trying to make, if we treat these people early enough, we're not going to see the bad things associated with hydroxychloroquine. And we're going to see people that don't progress to more severe disease. Okay. But again, we're not going to know that unless you write that information up. Okay. Let's be fair. Let's say this is legitimate data. Write it up because the, the, the medical community needs to know. Because if we could get patients who first start experiencing symptoms of that of this, and we can mitigate that at that point in time with a therapy like say hydroxychloroquine, then yeah, maybe we could save a lot of lives with it. But the point is, by you yelling in front of a microphone with your entourage behind you, with them nodding their heads like 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 a bunch of fucking sheep, you're not accomplishing anything. This goes to show that people will share whatever information that sides with them if it agrees with their personal point of view they're going to share and they're just going to to spread the word yeah i I mean the 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 hydroxychloroquine argument is it's it's tiring at this point and i you know i I was i was was kind of uh thinking of of uh what to say about and i was (laughs) i was gonna start with the with the song from uh from frozen just let it go let it go (laughs) Like when it don't work no more, <laughs> you know, it's just, just drop it at this point. It, you know, it, like a lot of, I was listening to Sean Hannity's radio program yesterday afternoon and he had, 
a couple doctors on, one of which I know is not nation. And she's like, yeah, you know, hydroxychloroquine can, can be of help in people. I'm like, okay, in what context? Are we talking about hospitalized patients with severe disease or patients with the sniffles from coronavirus? Which one? Which I one? thought that there was... I thought that there was information that did say that there, there was some benefits to hydrochloroquine. However, the health risks outweighed the possible reward. That's not yeah, accurate. So, so essentially what's been, what's been seen in the literature to date is that they're looking, like I said, they're looking mostly at patients that are hospitalized with COVID with relatively severe symptoms in which they're not getting much benefit in comparison to say placebo in comparison to no treatment whatsoever with the hydroxychloroquine, but the hydroxychloroquine is putting the patients at risk for something called QT prolongation. Okay. QT prolongation is essentially a measurement of, of the, the, the electrical conductance of your heart. Okay. Think of it as like the, the timing belt on your car or like, let's say, um, the cylinders in, in your car are firing within a certain rhythm, okay? If that rhythm gets thrown off, your, your engine isn't going to run properly. Same thing with your heart. If the electrical conduct, conductance of your heart gets all messed up, you can go into an arrhythmia and your heart can basically stop and you could die. That's the That's issue associated with it. No, it's not. And when you're talking about patients who are critically ill, they're even more at risk for QT prolongation and arrhythmias because their electrolytes are off, um, they probably already have some pre-existing cardiac issues. They've probably had previous heart attacks. So they, they have a lot of potential issues that can put them at risk. So when you throw a drug like this on board, that number one has, hasn't been shown to have much benefit in treating the infection itself compared to placebo. And then you're putting them at risk for this, which has panned out in some patients where they've actually died of cardiac arrest. It's not, what are we doing? We're we're not doing anything with this. We're, 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 we're spinning our wheels. Especially when there's other, other, there's other drugs that are in clinical trials that are pretty much seeing better results. Yeah. Including vaccination from Moderna. Yeah. Dexamethasone has shown some promise in terms of trying to, I guess you could say for a lack of better description, uh, trying to extinguish the fire of the cytokine storm that happens in a lot of these patients and, and really trying to attenuate. What is that? So the, the cytokine storm, we, we talked about it on a couple, on a couple episodes. It's basically when, you, when your body encounters a pathogen that it really has never seen before, and it such can happen with, yeah, such as coronavirus, such as pandemic influenza, your, your immune system doesn't know what to do. So it, it initiates basically a very general kind of like a shock and awe response toward the pathogen. And in doing so, it, it causes a lot of collateral damage throughout the body. You get massive inflammation throughout your body. There's a lot of inflammatory mediators that get released. You're talking different interleukins, with, whether it's interleukin 1, interleukin 2, interleukin 17, 6, a lot of these tumor necrosis factor. A lot of these, these things get released when, um, when it, you're talking about massive inflammation and a lot of damage is done to the patient's body, more so by their immune system than by the pathogen itself. So dexamethasone or even uh, tocilizumab, which is that, that, um, that drug for rheumatoid arthritis, they, f- they found that it's, it can actually help attenuate the release of a lot of these particular, a lot of these particular um, inflammatory mediators or neutralizing them altogether so they don't initiate an even greater inflammatory response within the body. 
So it's almost like you're not necessarily treating the pathogen itself. You're more so trying to tamp down the patient's immune system from killing them altogether. So that, that's really what it comes down to. That's kind of what they're also thinking about with hydroxychloroquine. Are you saying that it's almost like your immune system basically overreacts and kills everything? That's, including the, the virus kills itself. That, that's very, very, that, that's a very basic way of putting it, to be honest. That, that's, that, that's very simplified. Hmm. But yes, that, that's, exact, that's pretty much what happens. Wow. Yeah. Well, so basically, moral of the story is don't listen to the doctor that believes in alien DNA created vaccinations. No, it's not. um, At first, the thing is, is that, listen, why, like I I said at the start of this topic, the fact that we're discussing hydrochloroquine again is just boggles my mind because I thought that was four medications ago. I mean, I'm just, I'm just a layman in this, in this field. Like, but since then we've talked about those other $20 word medications that you've shoehorned into this, the, the last couple of minutes, but yeah, that one. And, uh, the other one, Dexamethasone. <laughs> yep. And then, but the thing, you know, what's kind of ironic in, in talking about this, but is the fact that we, we've just assigned almost a billion dollars to, uh, to Pfizer and I, I don't know. AstraZeneca. Yeah. So yeah, that one. <laughs> so we've just, we've assigned almost a billion dollars to these two companies, but now we're going to resort to going back to talking about this hydrochloroquine. That's not only magic. It's, it's manufactured by several different companies from what I understand, right? The patent is worn out. It's just, yeah, it's generic. It's generic yeah. medication. So <laughs> we're going to go back to talking about this medication. Why? Well, it, and, and again, it's, it's fine. It's fine to bring it back up if you have the literature to back it up. And again, if you have the data, if you're sitting on data and you haven't published it for the rest of the medical community to, to view it and to, and to, and to really evaluate it for, for its worth, then you're doing the medical community a disservice. By you, like I said, by you standing in front of a microphone and yelling that, you know, there's, there's fake doctors and the board's going to go after her and all this other stuff, you're, you're not helping anybody. You're not helping 333 million Americans or, you know, for, for that matter, 7 billion people worldwide. If, if you have the data, put your money where your mouth is and publish it. Yeah. Because it's important. But I, I just don't foresee that happening. And if that's the case, then it's, it's it, the, then it, it doesn't work, period. Because the, the literature that we have right now basically shows that has no F, very little efficacy in comparison to placebo, and it could potentially kill people in comparison to placebo, in comparison to doing fucking nothing for these people. So, again, you're not helping anybody by just yelling and being angry. Okay. Again, I'm, I'm not even bringing up her, her other conspiracy theories or, or all this other stuff. I'm, I'm just focusing on the, on her whole rant about the hydroxychloroquine. If you have the data, publish it period, put it to rest. Hmm. But yet that has not happened. Instead, it's just, it's, 
instead it just becomes a viral video that gets shared because people just want to believe what they want to believe. It's not based on facts. Oh, yeah. It's just based on personal opinion. It's based on belief. Yeah, it's 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 all anecdote at at this point in time. Belief. That's it's ironic. It. It's ironic belief because I've mentioned yeah. before. Belief is a song by John Mayer where he discusses did anybody really change their mind because somebody was just yelling real loud one time? <laughs> no, no. Yet that's what we do, and it's funny because now you can scroll through Facebook and before before it was just. Uh, I remember when Facebook was something that was fun. Remember that? People just joke around about stuff, bust each other's chops now. It's like, if you don't believe in what I believe in, then you're a bad person. Yeah, sometimes I, I try to purposely inflame people. <laughs> just because <laughs> then it, it, it ends up being fun for me because the all the other bullshit just isn't fun. Just like what you're saying, it used to be fun just to kind of see you know, like what well, stupid shit people are posting and you can laugh at it. And now it's, it's just like, become a different game. It's still fun. No, it's just a different game. No, it's not fun. It's, it's not fun at all. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's nauseating to be honest. It is. I, to be honest with you, I, I hardly ever even open up my app anymore. I, I just, it's something that's there. I haven't gone as far as deleting it. I did earlier in the year. I deleted it for a couple of months and then I kind of, it just kind of came back up. I was, looking. I had to, I had to suspend my, my, my own account. For, that's what I did. Yeah. Because... I think it was like, cause you could take a break and then I did that and then it sets it automatically for different periods of time. And I think I did like, there's one that's indefinitely. And I think I did that. And then uh, it was weird at first kind of cutting the cord, you know, it was kind of weird at first cause you, you're used to good, just kind of just thumbing through it. You know, you get a couple minutes downtime. What's everybody else doing? You kind of go through it, but after it's gone, you just, I don't, I didn't miss it. I didn't yeah. miss it. There, you know, there's, there's some people um, I, that I'm, that I guess you could say I'm Facebook friends with that, that just post funny memes all the time. And it's just, it's hysterical. And they, they will just inflame both sides as much as they possibly could. And I absolutely love it because I just, I, 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 I could just envision people on that side of the, the, the social justice warriors or that political aisle just their heads fucking exploding and just like, you know, the brain matter just boiling out of their head just mm -hmm. for something so stupid that that would just really piss them off. I, yeah. I, I, I used to try to put, I mean, you know that this is how we kind of started the podcast. They used to try to post things that were educational about the, about the pandemic and about hydroxychloroquine early on and, and all this other stuff. Uh, to date, I mean, since the pandemic started, I haven't had any, any of my posts, uh, uh, erased or whatever, or misinformation. Have, I mean, yeah, so far, <laughs> knock on wood, I guess. But um, I, I used to try to educate people, and then I, you know, I'm, I'm getting accused by by doctors I used to work with that I'm making this political. I'm like, what's what's political about what the fuck I'm posting? I'm I'm telling you what an article said. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is that it's funny because you're more right leaning than you are left, but yet you're promoting the use of masks. Yeah. Which because, is I mean, kind of the opposite of what you're seeing going on. Yeah, but I mean, what you have to understand is that I'm I'm coming at it as as a specialist in infectious diseases, so it has nothing to do with my political leanings. I mean, I'm I, and this is why I'm kind of saying like I'm I'm going to write myself in come November. I'm I want to be more independent. I don't want to have to. I'm not rooting for for a political party anymore because I've seen the the circus that 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 the Republicans have put this entire country through, and and just battling against the Democrats and, and the medical establishment and all this other stuff. 
And the, the Democrats are, are another fucking circus car, to, to be quite honest with you, or a clown car, whatever the hell you want to call it. I, I, just, I, I can't deal with either side right now, to, to be honest. They're, they're both irritating yeah. in, in, their own, in their own right. Yeah, talking to a friend today, and he was just saying the same thing. He's like, I, I don't want to vote for Trump, but I can't stand the idea of voting for no, Biden. I, I can't, no, not at all, not at all, not at all. I, I just, I, and, and I, I said this from the beginning, I was talking to my wife about it. If, if Trump could have taken this issue, and he absolutely could have come out a hero, but instead, he's such a fucking egomaniac that he just had to go against what what his what his his medical experts have been telling him, which the medical community, by and far, or whatever the hell you want to say, uh, you know, the majority of people in the medical community agree with the recommendations from the experts because that's what we've lived our entire career when it comes to things like this. And, uh, you know, the, the politicians on the right side of the aisle, you know, all, all the Republicans are like, oh, well, you know, the medical experts have gotten it wrong so many times. It's a novel virus, meaning we know right. nothing about it. Yeah. So, yes, recommendations are going to change on a regular basis. I, I have colleagues that I work with that call on different major academic institutions, and they're literally changing their protocols on coronavirus every single day because new information comes out every single day right that's how you keep up with it exactly it's changing every single day it's something that we didn't know anything about that no. being the case we know nothing about it but yet you know you go you see and i actually came across another article because originally i was going to say biden verbatim said we left the pandemic for the playbook but yet he doesn't talk about what the playbook entailed um because this is something that we don't know anything about and then I'm seeing this title, the title of this article I'm looking at right now, they didn't run the plays. Ex-officials say Trump administration didn't use pandemic playbooks. And they're showing pictures. Obviously, this isn't an article that I've read yet, but the photo is of George Bush. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought they're going to have the, the, uh, the picture of Trump in front of the church with the Bible. <laughs> people President probably George think Bush that, that, that was actually the playbook. That was the playbook. President George W. Bush speaks about about the administration's national strategy for pandemic influenza preparedness and response. Yeah. This is November first, two thousand five. Yeah, makes I sense. Mean, yeah, I mean, these are essentially two different viruses. Um, similarities, fairly similar in terms of routes of transmission. Um, Severity of illness, uh, probably with the exception of the of the highly pathogenic avian influenza, is like at that time in two thousand five was when um, um, the the H five N one bird flu or avian influenza um, broke out of Southeast Asia. I think specifically it was it originated in Vietnam. Uh, that was the thing that was really scaring the shit out of a lot of people because um, although. Oh, wasn't person. Uh, the mortality rate was in excess of fifty percent, and it's been consistently fifty percent with people that have contracted it. Um, and it's if you if you look at it over time, I kind of mapped it out uh, while I was doing my fellowship back from two thousand five to two thousand seven. It over time, it literally moved from Southeast Asia westward um, through through um, 
Central Asia, and then the middle parts of the Middle East, and then Eastern Europe, and then Egypt. And it's kind of stopped in the Mediterranean at that point in terms of migratory birds. Uh, we haven't really seen much beyond that. There was one case in Canada, but I'll tell you what, that one has scared the shit out of a lot of people. And I, a lot of experts are saying all you need is one minor mutation in, in the virus's genome and you could get human to human transmission very easily. And if that's the case where I, it's, it's going to make coronavirus literally look like Mother Teresa. But I mean, the thing is, is that we have platforms on how to develop a vaccine for it. We have medications that can potentially treat it. With coronavirus, we don't have any of that. It's no. very, very novel. No. So that begs the question. I mean, I saw an interview with Los Angeles Mayor Garcetti, and he was talking about how LA was the first to institute um, the stay-at-home orders. They were the first to institute the, the mandatory mask orders. But yet, if they were among the first to institute these stay-at-home orders, how come we're seeing such a big surge in, in, uptick, in the uptick of, uh, of, of positive tests? I mean, LA versus New York. I mean, they're both largely... Uh, they're both densely populated. Yeah. So why is LA experiencing a surge now? That's a good question. I honestly don't know. I mean, is this something that like, do you th- like were New Yorkers better at wearing masks? I mean, New York is what phase four now. I believe I they think are. So, yeah. yeah. So they're phase they- four. And meanwhile, Los Angeles is basically on the verge of another lockdown. They're <laughs> yeah. not already. So, I mean, what, what it begs the question, like what, what fucking happened? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I find point. myself wondering if, if the masks are doing anything, if this is something that kind of just like, uh, I mean, Grant, I am not the medical professional here, um, but I wonder if it's, if it is, is it the masks doing anything or is it just like something that kind of just is contagious as it is. It's is something that just kind of burned its way through the population. And now like New York, they've, Pretty much everybody, like it's, it's almost like that herd immunity kind of situation in New York where everybody's got it. It was asymptomatic, um, whatever the case may be. Um, and now, because listen, I, I think back when this was at its peak around here a few mm-hmm. months ago, and I knew a lot of people that had it. By the way, was tested yesterday, got my results today. I don't have it. <laughs> um, but going back a couple months, I knew a lot of people that were, that were infected with it, that were showing yep. symptomatics. I, I mentioned in the past, I knew one person that wasn't sure if he was even going to make it through. That's I don't crazy. know anybody now. And I know I, I, I look at the numbers every day. I see that I get an email just from the governor's office. If you want it, you could sign up for it, ct.gov, and you could sign up for all the alerts on uh, basically any press release that gets released by the governor's office, anything. It's not necessarily only coronavirus related, but that being the case. So you could look and you see the the positive test changes from yesterday to today and you get them every day. You still see, there's still some infections, of course. You're going to see them. But I don't know anybody that has it, has it. You know, and I I talk to people that work in hospitals and they don't really, they they went from having floors and basically almost a hospital full of people with this whole thing. And now there's nobody in there. Yeah. I I mean, are we that, have we gotten that good? at protecting everybody? I, I, that, that's a great question. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't know if it goes back to, to the whole thing about people congregating indoors. I mean, 
when it was ravaging the Northeast, it was really February and March when people were more indoors because of the cold weather. And now when you're talking about, and now that I guess we kind of got it under control and people have gotten more outdoors, has it really kind of burned out within this area? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a good explanation for it. Um, California, especially Southern California, generally speaking, has more mild weather during the winter and people are more outdoors than they are here in the Northeast. But when we're talking about summer months, you know, probably uh, San Diego has, you know, sweltering heat. So maybe people are going more indoors now and now they're getting fucking hammered just like they are in Arizona, Texas, Florida. I just saw something uh, pop up on my Twitter feed about Louisiana having the highest number of COVID cases per capita out of any other, out of any other state in the union right now. Wow. They're, they're a tiny state, you know, but Louisiana gets hot as balls this time of year. It is humid as hell and people just want to get the same thing. And it's just like we talked about it, like the air conditioning just being almost a super spreader, if you will. Yeah. Just it's like throwing it in and it just gets shot everywhere. Yep. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. A lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of theories, but nothing really that we can kind of pinpoint. But Dr. Fauci does say that wearing goggles is going to be the next step to prevent the spread. <laughs> I don't know. There was actually uh, um, uh, an article I saw today and I'll have to try to post the link for it. Um, uh, shit. I, I, it was something about potentially easing certain restrictions based on uh, three clusters of infection that occurred in Spain specifically. And they, they kind of gave different scenarios for it. I was reading through it because um, a couple of my colleagues um, in, in, in the, in the info, we're, we're kind of talking about it back and forth on Twitter. So I'll have to, I'll have to post the, the, the link for it. Um, and I'll, I'll have to try to give a little bit of a better summary on the, on the Facebook posting that we have for it. But it's basically saying that based on these particular scenarios, if we, if we look at what happened with these particular clusters, Oh, it was talking about the viral load that these people are, are, are getting initially with the, the initial infection that could determine how severe their, their disease. So, uh, uh, you know, the viral load basically is like, we'll just say like the number of viral particles that you're exposed to. So if you're exposed to a lot of viral particles at first, you're going to get sicker faster and your, and your illness is going to be more severe. Whereas if you get a small, a smaller viral load, you're not going to be as sick. You're going to have more mild symptoms. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So, that's something I, I actually mentioned that early on in one of our earlier yeah. episodes. Yeah. So uh, they're, they're mentioning that and how um, more socially distanced and being more outdoors, your propensity for getting, if you're exposed to it, your propensity for being exposed to a very high viral load as you would be indoors. Um, if you do get it, you're not going to get as sick. So maybe we could ease some of the restrictions like people wearing fucking masks outside. Yeah. So it's basically in those situations, it's basically becoming almost, uh, I guess a good word would be diluted. Yeah. Yeah. 
exactly. I know there's a lot of people if, that if I would stop like the forest fire. If you, yeah, let's okay. say for instance, you, you know, starting a forest fire. If you ash your cigarette and on on a you know dry grass in a forest, it you know it may or may not catch fire. Whereas if you if you you know detonate a 55 gallon barrel drum full of gasoline in the same forest, you're probably going to cause a forest fire easily. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. <laughs> Makes sense. Oh, total sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know I know a lot of people would like to stop wearing these masks. I mean, myself included. But it's important. It's important right now. Yeah. I mean, and again, if, the, if it's a little bit that goes a long way, I mean, look at, I mean, if it is the masks that are preventing uh, the, us from having a, a large surge right now, then I'm all for it. But I'd rather, I'd rather err on the side of caution and say yeah. like, listen, cause I mean, really it's not that big of a deal. I think the biggest hassle with the masks is the time I get to the door of whatever store I'm going into and I got to turn around and do an about face to go get my mask out of the car because I forgot it. And that happens more often than, than, than anything else, you know? Yeah. And then I still see these fucking people walking around these stores. Like it's no big deal. Yeah. I don't know. I, for one would be more embarrassed to be the only person without a mask. I don't know. Yeah. Call yeah, it conformity, I, call it whatever the fuck you want. But like, no, it, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I don't understand. I, I really just don't. I mean, these, people that are saying they don't work all this other crap it's not just about the mask i mean the mask doesn't make you fucking bulletproof the mask is an additional layer of of protection on top of social distancing on top of keeping away from sick people on top of washing your hands on a regular basis on top of keeping yourself healthy and all this other shit the mask is another box to check it's 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 like body armor the more body armor you have on, the better your chances of survival of a fucking shootout. This it's is true. Thing. I mean, we were talking about police before. If you were wearing avoid the gunfire, exactly, exactly. If you're wearing a, if you're wearing body armor and there's a sniper on the roof, chances are he's shooting a fifty caliber. That that body armor is not going to do a damn fucking thing. But do you <laughs> yeah. want to be running around without body armor? Yeah, you know, I mean, no. no. It, that, that, that this is the thing that people don't understand. It's not one thing or another. It's not just hydroxychloroquine. It's not just a mask. It's not just social distancing. You put it all together and, and you can keep yourself relatively safe from it. Hmm. It's then what the confusion is and why people are so, are so caught up on, on one thing. Just do everything. It's because there's two words that are associated with it. One is conform. And the other is comply. And when you tell people to do either of those two things, regardless of what the end result is, they don't want to participate because they don't want to conform or comply. And you know where, where that could have been mitigated? At the very beginning of all this with our jackass in charge. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. And you know, basically could have said to the American people back then, listen to, to the medical experts. Yeah, actually, I mean, when I was just skimming through the article that I had just mentioned where it was talking about... Um, the playbooks, and I, I mentioned just just a couple minutes ago about seeing uh, George Bush was was the figure that was represented in the uh, in the article. There was somebody from the Department of Homeland Security, I think it was. I can't remember her name. I closed the article already, but it, she mentioned that uh, more more could have done at the onset of this pandemic that could have been more beneficial later. Yeah. 
and I kind of shrugged when I read that paragraph because like you said, I mean, yeah, the, the head dummy in charge, but like, <laughs> don't forget, like everybody's so quick to forget the fact that there was another dummy in charge that was standing in the middle of Chinatown saying that we should all go there, get together. There's no reason to be afraid. Don't stay home. Don't close the border of China. We should have be able to travel freely. These are the other people that are just not even mentioned anymore. Because listen, there's so much shit on top of Trump. Like he's, he's suffocating in it, but people yeah. forget about the other side. Nobody even wants to discuss it. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't know. I agree. It's a shit show. It really is. It's a shit show. It's a shit sandwich. And it's fucking first thing on the menu. Fucking terrible. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's on the specialist too. <laughs> the specialist is usually stuff that they want to clean their fridge with anyway. So exactly. I don't, know. I don't, want, to, I don't want to fucking throw it out. But hey, November's ah. right around the corner, and these are our options. <laughs> I feel like we're we're voting for either uh, what the hell is the name? Uh, uh, oh my god, the 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 guys from Dumb and Dumber, uh, Jeff Daniels, Lloyd? or yeah, you voting for Lloyd or Harry? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude, instead of having the presidential limo, they're going to have the shag wagon. They're going to be driving <laughs> that thing down the street. The license plate's going to say Samsonite. Oh, for comic relief, I, I should probably watch that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got worms. Uh, IOUs. That's what we're going to have. This, listen, this movie actually applies to the, the state of the United States more than we realize. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, they literally try to outdo, outdo each other and how dumb they possibly could be. What did he say about the, the Ferrari? Oh. Uh, I, oh, what are they? They're IOUs, just as good as money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was it? 250000 might want to hold on to that one. I don't know. The state of affairs is in dire straits, my friend. But uh, yep. yeah, man, I don't know. This is all I got for this week. You, anything you want to add? Um, I don't know. I, I think people just need to pray for each other, to be honest. Pray for us. Pray yep. for us. Yep. All right, Siv. Say goodbye. Say goodbye.